Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda and I'm sitting here with Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello, Linda. And today we're going to be talking chicken. Oh. Now I know after Poultry. one of those ones we talked about where I thought it was fish and uh, realised that fish was a whole range of topics, I suspect chicken's going to be very similar, Paul. So I think chicken, when I was doing some research, is the most widely eaten protein. Yeah, it, globally, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to get correct statistics, but yeah. But it is certainly, I think... Uh, high on the list of everyone's home favourites. Yeah. And with the steam oven, I think what I love about it, and I know we touched about this a little bit in the fish uh, episode, was just when you're steaming it, just how gently it cooks and there is that leeway. Correct. Well, I mean, a lot of it uh, depends on the cut, which cut we're using. Um you know, whether we're roasting the chicken, steaming a chicken breast, like there's a lot of different ways in which we go about it, but certainly uh, just a straight up steamed chicken breast, if it's done correctly, is delicious. And I'm personally not a fan of chicken, um, and especially chicken breast, because I find it very difficult to punch flavour into it. But if it's cooked correctly uh, and has you know, not been overcooked, especially chicken breast because it's so lean. Um, it's quite delicious. And it goes with so many other things that you'd have in your kitchen. Yeah. In standard, like I often on lunches will steam some chicken breast and then pull it apart, mix it with a bit of mayonnaise for a sandwich. Yeah. Or oh, a salad. Yeah. So it's just great. That's what I find a really quick alternative to maybe something a little bit less healthy or on the run. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of like, I think we've said this many times before, if we talk standalone steaming, which is what we're talking about now, uh, it's not a faster method. So the trick to it is, is just lower your temperature, but increase your time. So chicken doesn't need to be cooked at a hundred degrees. Of course you can, but it doesn't, not chicken breast talking about it doesn't need to be cooked at 100 degrees so if we drop the temperature reasonably significantly um you'll end up with something super succulent and delicious and that you'll want to cook again and again and again even though it's something as simple as a steamed piece of chicken and then you can obviously like you do add to it uh do whatever you want to do to it but yeah if you actually drop the temperature get it down around you know 70 or 65 is probably 65 yeah 64 65 is as low as you want to go for a chicken breast now legs are different um so drumsticks and thighs and things like that just if you want to term them you know breast is white meat legs and thighs are dark meat um so the dark meats need high attempt to actually get the job done and get them cooked but a chicken breast steamed at around 70 degrees 65 64 you don't want to drop below but around 70 degrees will be quite delicious mm. but I mean hence the whole problem with roasting chickens I mean like we talk well I mean there's quite a few recipes on the site 
<coughs> for a roasted chicken. I think we did a whole steamed chicken at one stage, which was actually like really good. And I don't usually say that about the food that I cook, but it was like I actually really enjoyed that. Um, but a roasted chicken, the benefit of combi steam is that we can we're injecting steam throughout the cooking cycle, so it stops the breast drying out. So if we break the chicken down into maybe I'm getting a bit further into the advanced thinking here as far as poultry, but if we break the chicken down into those two sections, dark and white, uh, as far as the meats go, uh, white meat needs less temperature, dark meat needs more temperature. So if we're roasting it, the problem is is that the chicken breast or the white meat cooks way before the legs do. So every recipe will tell you to check whether the chicken's cooked by poking it in the thigh and seeing if the juices run clear, that's because that's where it takes longest to cook. You have bone, uh, different makeup of, as far as the meat goes. Uh, so the benefit of combi steam cooking is while we're waiting for the leg to catch up to the breast as far as in a temperature scale, uh, we've got steam going in there so the breast doesn't dry out as much as it would if we were doing it in a regular fan-forced 180 degree conventional oven if we use a combination mode so dry heat and steam together um, we'll still get it crisp and coloured and golden brown and delicious but the breast doesn't dry out as much does that make sense at all? totally okay good no totally it does well, <laughs> makes know, sense in my head I know that um <laughs> Our nephew, when he was quite young, had a lot of food allergies and, and you know, a lot of things that he, he didn't feel like eating or food that he didn't want to eat. And one of the things that he did really enjoy was his mum has a steam oven and she would put in little chicken thighs and steam them. And there was a lot of leeway in there if she got caught up because she was busy with him or doing other things for her other child or home in general and but he would love those because it was really well cooked it was tasty there was a real flavor of chicken but no other fats or or salts or anything on the food which was as a as a young kid this was perfect for him yeah and i mean chicken's a funny thing because it uh so if i eat chicken personally myself i'll go for the the thigh or the, the leg because I think it's got more flavour. And certainly if you cook it on the bone, it has much more flavour. It's got much more flavour than chicken breast, for example. Um, but I still encourage people to steam a chicken breast. Just drop the temperature because you'll get a better end result. Um, but chicken thighs, certainly, yes, you can steam them. You can just, to be honest with you, you could throw them straight on a tray and just do a, a roast like you would with any other roast, um, just using a combination mode to maintain that sort of succulence if you like um, but chicken thighs probably I think if you talk about the pick of the parts of the chicken the thigh is probably the best for me uh, I know a lot of people like drumsticks I, I really I think the thigh is the best and then chicken wings are just delicious like well, they're okay, properly so delicious <laughs> I was thinking that you and I would be okay when we go into our chicken shop and get half a chicken and chips which I think, think is Australia's second most favourite takeaway because I like the wing and the breast and you like the other part. Yeah. But then we'd fight over the wing, so okay, we can't yeah. do that. Yeah, well, I mean, don't go to the chicken shop, we'll just get a whole chicken and do it ourselves. <laughs> One of the things that 
I think you first started cooking on cooking with steam was a roast chicken with the carrots and celery underneath. And I must say, I'd never actually cooked a chicken that way until I tried that. And that was fantastic because it was not only a little bit of veggies on the side, which I think at the time you said, I oh, don't necessarily have to eat those. Yeah, so that's a very classic, classic old school preparation, very old school French preparation. And you effectively have a mirepoix of vegetables, which is generally onion, celery, carrot, sometimes leek as well. Uh, and that sort of, and the bird just sits on top of that and it sort of perfumes the bird a little bit, gives it a little bit of flavour as it cooks. Um, and those vegetables are generally disposed of. Uh, they're not part of the dish, but of course, they've had lots of chicken fat and chicken juices running into them. I mean, so they're quite, they're more a braised vegetable than a roasted vegetable, if you like. Um, but we fight over them at home. We've yeah, well, got roast potatoes and, if you and like the chicken them, that way. Good luck to you. Like, yeah, why, no, like, we fight over them. Why yeah. not? Um, also, I mean, so that's a very classic preparation for a chicken. A um, couple of other things that sort of I've been working on lately with chicken, which we will do uh, in the not-too-distant future on the website, is uh, getting into brining. So we'll start brining whole chickens. Um just to get a little bit more moisture into them. Uh, so that'll help retain more moisture during the cooking cycle. So brining's a big thing. So we'll make a brining solution and leave the chicken. We'll do whole chickens and we'll do portions of chickens and we'll see how that sort of comes about. But yeah, I mean, that's a quite the process, but kind of looking for the ultimate roast chicken I mean if you can leave something in your fridge for a couple of days it doesn't really matter um, so it's sounding and looking like it's going to be a three day process where we'll brine our chicken for two days and then we'll pull it out of the brine and leave the chicken sit in the fridge for a whole day at least more like 24 hours so an entire day uh, to dry the skin back out so we'll have super succulent meat, but super dry skin. And it also helps season the chicken as well. Now, you know, this is where I'm showing my ignorance and why, for those who listen, uh, I'm still in year one of my apprenticeship four years in. <laughs> but a brine is a salt and water mix. Solution, yeah. A, a solution. And I thought when you put salt on something, it was to try and draw the moisture out and dry it out a little bit. Yeah. So it seems counterintuitive to me to put anything in a mix of okay, so, water uh, and salt. Yeah. Okay. So to add more, to add more. Yes. Juice. So you've got to understand that if you take something like table salt or any sort of salt and add it to a any sort of protein, just as it is, like you would season a piece of fish or a piece of steak or something. Um, and you let it sit there, you can actually see the moisture being drawn out of it. It's actually quite a good technique for a lot of things. Um, so if you're doing a big piece of roasted beef, it's quite good to season it and let it sit overnight in your fridge with salt on it. And that'll draw the excess moisture out. So when your beef is roasting, it's roasting, not braising. So a lot of people have trouble, like if you think about uh, doing a casserole or something like that and you put meat in a saucepan and then it starts to 
not color, but braise and bubble. Okay, that's all the moisture in the mm-hmm. uh, in the meat coming out due to the heat. So you want that to be coloring and and frying rather than braising. You're going to braise it later on. So by salting it, it draws that excess moisture out. So when you go to do that sort of first sealing, it will actually seal better because a lot of the moisture's already been pulled out. Now, the difference with a brining solution is a brining solution is a very low percentage salt solution. So we rely on the water to not have as a greater impact on the protein with the salt in there. So the water tempers everything down. So if you just put salt straight on a piece of chicken, it's going to draw the moisture out of the chicken well, more likely than not if it sits there a long time dry it out with the water in there what it actually does is help penetrate the flesh uh, and stop things from drying out during cooking so the salt solutions can be anywhere up to one two five seven nine ten percent depending on what we're doing so a lot of hams and things like that are, are done in salt solutions in brines uh, turkeys are quite often done in brines and stuff like that. Uh, so it doesn't actually cook or, you know, if you kind of like a Gravlax or something like that, it doesn't actually cook or a Chiviche or whatever. It doesn't actually cook the flesh. It, um, it helps retain moisture down the track. So brining is different to seasoning. It is a type of seasoning, but it's a much slower process so it's not going to have the same impact as just putting straight salt on something which is what we do for the say the steamed pork belly when you put salt and, and to flavor it and you put the yeah but if star you, anise yeah, yeah. Everything else into correct it, but okay okay so you've done that draws out yeah you've seen that water. right it draws out a lot of moisture I've done that. yes you've done that i've done that all right so but that draws out a lot of moisture from that pork and yeah. that's and that's water with contained within the piece of meat um, now with pork belly it's good because you have a high fat content so when you cook it you're not losing a ton of moisture so with a pork loin something that's very uh, lean I wouldn't do that but with pork belly because it's got a high fat content we can go straight in with salt sugar that spice mix that we do and it draws the moisture out and it also seasons it as it cures if you like so that's very similar to the first process in making bacon. Okay. So yeah. smoked salmon is very similar. So mm-hmm. they make a cure mix and they will season and cure the salmon and then let that sit for a period of time and then it gets smoked. Okay. So, yeah, we're talking more about seasoning yes. the chickens, but nonetheless, like the brining solution, it's a very low percentage salt solution. Uh, so it doesn't, have the same effect as just straight seasoning with salt. Does that make sense yeah, to you? No, it does. You look confused. I, I, that's my permanent. <laughs> that's my permanent look, Paul. You know that. And probably one of the things that I also love about the chicken breast, which I I cook more at home, is because it's what we love, um, is being able to cook veggies in that temperate zone as well. Of the sort of eighty plus, yeah, I can put chicken in and then throw in some veggies yeah which is as close as i get to a one pan dish particularly yeah. if i'm making like a big sort of salad or something like that and i'll put in some asparagus or beans yeah so i mean one chicken one that i will do myself at home reasonably often is 
I will uh, get some chicken breasts. And as I said, I'm not a fan, but um, having it cooked correctly, I actually do quite enjoy it. Um, get some chicken breasts, and I'll steam them at about 65 degrees, um, and they're skin on. Okay, and so what I then do is remove them from the oven and I'll just get some greens like sugar snaps, snow peas, generally Asian greens I quite like, so bok choy, Chinese broccoli, anything like that. I crank the oven back up to full steam. Um, while that's getting back up to temp, I actually pan fry the skin on the chicken breast. Now, because it's been steamed first, it tends to crisp much faster and better. Um, so while that's having a quick pan fry, not a long pan fry because under that high temp it'll dry it out, but a quick pan fry, uh, my veggies cook, take my chicken out, slice it up, throw it on top of the veggies, bit of chili, oyster sauce, whatever, happy days, dinner, like within, you know, 15, 20, oh, maybe about 25 minutes. So yeah, I, I mean, we discuss often this one sheet theory um, you've got to remember vegetables like you can get some vegetables cooking at 80 degrees 85 degrees uh, but not all will and sometimes you'll be waiting forever for them to cook so you know I mean leafy greens and stuff like that they can deal with a bit lower temperature but something like a carrot or a potato you'll be waiting forever um, you can do asparagus at lower temps and stuff like that uh, but it's a little bit more trial and error rather than just going in at 100 degrees. I can tell you that green beans will take about seven minutes at 100 degrees. If you did them at 85 degrees, I couldn't tell you how long they're going to take. They might take 12 minutes. They might take 15. I don't know. It's very hard to gauge. Uh, but at 100, it's much easier to gauge because it's the same temp as boiling water. So, yeah. that, uh, you know, so this one sheet theory, as good as it is... Um, yeah, I kind of would rather get my protein right and find another use for that and maybe crisp up the skin or... Like we've talked about this mm. with fish too. Uh, and then get the veggies in and cut your vegetables smaller so they cook quicker. So, you know, things still need to rest. Too. Even if you're steaming them, they don't need to rest as long because we're not hitting them with high temps like we are roasting. But like a chicken breast, even though we've steamed it at a nice low temp, it still needs a little bit of resting time. If we roasted a chicken breast, we need to rest it give it a good you know let's say it took 15 minutes to rest you'd probably be uh, to cook you'd probably best off resting it for at least seven eight minutes but steamed chicken breast you just give it a, like two or three minute rest basically when yeah. you're serving up correct basically. Yeah. yeah so yeah the one sheet theory rears its ugly head again it's very hard to advise about what vegetables will work and what size you need to cut them and all the rest of it I, I say get your chicken breast throw it in get it cooked cook it at the right temp and then just crank the oven up and you've got five or six minutes you can wrap your chicken breast up in foil or you know baking paper let it rest let your vegetables cook happy days you're away so of course if you're doing potatoes and root vegetables it's different but yeah give steamed chicken breasts a run because they're actually pretty good. Oh, they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. The other um, thing I always wonder about with chicken is seasoning before or after. And this is a question I ask you a lot, I know, yeah. off air. But the top, like I tend to put, you know, on 
depends on what I'm serving it with, but I will tend to put a little bit of drizzle of, of olive oil. And I, for some reason, I don't know whether I'm wasting my time, but I will put the chicken breast between two pieces of baking paper. I don't know why. I don't know if it when does When you anything. steam it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. I think Not I just saw that you... Okay, so I am wasting my time. Yeah. So just, I mean, maybe early doors we were doing it with uh, some of the ovens because there was a high water content coming from the oven. So we had a we had a lot of water dropping down onto the which I think my oven still does yeah quite possibly <laughs> so which is why okay uh, so that's to avoid washing anything off um, yeah. so if you're season if you season your chicken and then throw it in your oven and you're getting a lot of water let's say dropping from the ceiling or the roof of the oven down onto your chicken breast or chicken piece or whatever it might be that will dilute and wash off your seasoning so you probably you probably did learn that from me is just like just protecting the the flesh a little bit um chicken season it first absolutely season it first it's top really three, hard top three seasonings for chicken breast are, are they different chicken breast chicken thigh oh uh, look it's, i mean depends on the application so if we're steaming i just think salt's just just keep it simple like salt and you can add stuff after it's like i say it's really hard to get flavor inside a chicken breast so you're working on the outside um if you're roasting or doing a combination cook even legs whatever uh i really like the hard herbs so thyme sage is another good one rosemary you can use in smaller quantities really powerful uh preserved lemons another really good good one with chicken um, and when you roast preserved lemon, it really gets some serious punch. And it's quite salty, so that helps you with the seasoning again. Um, and th- I really like smoked paprika on chicken skin. That's mm. quite delicious. And you can just yeah, do that towards the end of your cook because you don't want to burn the paprika. But like, I really like smoked paprika on like a roasted chicken thigh with smoked paprika just on it and maybe a squeeze of lemon. But... Uh, Again, it's similar stuff to fish and other things, acids. So lemon juice, vinegar, anything like that, and salt. And generally try and use like a... Everyone talks about kosher salt, uh, which is a non-iodized salt. So it's quite a fine grain, not table salt. Just a little bit larger than table salt. Use that when you're doing your preparations and when it goes into the oven and when it comes out. We all love Murray River salt flakes or Bolden or whatever you want to use. Just a sprinkling of salt flakes over the top. But, yeah, I mean, it's very hard to season chicken. If we're doing a roast chicken, you've got to season the cavity. That's super important. Like, super, super important. And don't be shy. Like, pound the salt in there. Okay. And if you were taking your chicken breast and you were being a little bit uh, fancy... And you decided to do a little mix of some feta, some olive chopped up and some uh, sun-dried tomato into a little mix and make a little cavity in the chicken breast. So we're talking circa 1994 for about that style of cooking. Which is why we don't have a recipe like that on the website, but nonetheless. <laughs> well, you know, you know my era and my yeah. vintage, Paul. Um, um, so would you would you still cook that on just steam? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're dealing you're dealing with stuff that's already prepared that already cooked. Yeah. and cooked and yeah. stuff like that. It's different if you're making a um, 
like a stuffing or a farce with a meat. Um, so that 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 then needs to reach a temperature. But um, yeah, I mean, if you want to do that, knock yourself out. I'd prefer to make maybe a like olive salsa type situation, which we could go over the top rather than you know get the cavity. I mean, we have that being said, there is a recipe for chicken Kiev. Which is so, a classic. Which I is an old school because, classic. I think you did that because you know it's Dougie's, one of his yeah. favourite chicken dishes. Yeah, like and that oozy butter coming everywhere. I mean, that's pretty... Oozy garlic yeah. butter. Yeah. What is not to love? Yeah, that's pretty good. So, I mean, I shouldn't be anti the stuffing, the chicken breast, but it is kind of pretty naff. Um, oh, you're so <laughs> naughties. Um, but the other thing too is you've got to remember the chicken's... You know, not just either the breast or the leg and the wing, and the you know roasting them and the separate bits. You've got minces there as well, and there's a lot to be done and said for mincing chicken breasts and chicken legs and using those as that'll pasta be, fillings, dumplings. Yes, that'll be another like episode that. though, Paul. Oh, because we've we've actually reached the end of today's ah, episode, okay. so that's why I think this is a start. Like we just realised the start of fish. This is the start of our. Love affair with chicken. Well, love affair. Well, yeah. we love it. You love you it. You don't, yeah. but that's all right. Yeah, and I right. happen to still love stuffed chicken breast. It's one of my faves. Yeah. What's wrong with the 1990s? Oh, good music, but it's, yeah. Mm, anyway. Yeah, we've moved along. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, Paul. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe, and for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com.